1: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I am your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with Julie Solomon. She's the host of the Influencer Podcast, where she offers up real-time coaching, straight talk, and conversations on business growth and personal development. But she also has a brand new book out, Get What You Want, how to go from unseen to unstoppable. And in this conversation, we talk about her brand new book that's filled with actionable steps and easy exercises that enables you to leverage your power and influence to understand and overcome your origin story that may be hindering your success, discovering your true purpose and creating a new vision towards that purpose, how to set and stick to new boundaries that will keep your time from getting sucked away and gaining the confidence to pitch, negotiate, and get anything you want. This is a great conversation to get you unstuck. So I'm going to get out of the way and just say, enjoy this conversation with Julie Solomon. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show, Julie Solomon. Julie, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here.
1: I've been looking forward to talking to you since Rory Vaden connected us via email and called attention to your new book coming out. And I thought, well, this makes perfect sense. Let's do this again. I also love always to have other podcasters on the show because there's a certain level of professionalism and audio quality (laughs) on those conversations. Your brand new book is called Get What You Want. Go from unseen to unstoppable. and. Who out there doesn't want to get what they want? So I'm curious, though, what led you? You've been podcasting for a long time with the Influencer Podcast. Fill us in a little bit on that and then how that led to the book.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny, Eric, that you say that, like, who wouldn't want to get what they want? But I was actually talking to someone this weekend that had an advanced reader copy. And she was sharing with me that she was, I guess, out and about reading it. And someone saw that she was reading it. And she was like, get what you want. Why would you read that? And it was like this distasteful thing, this guttural reaction that somebody else had about how just unapologetic that idea of getting what you want is which I think is really fascinating and kind of lends into the question that you just asked me about why I wanted to write this book. And I think that so many people believe that they can't get what they want or that getting what they want is impossible or that it's wrong or that it's bad or to really strive for that boldness to say this is who I am this is what I want out of life and this is what I'm going to do to get it. It's a declaration of sorts I think and it, and it takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of boldness and it takes a lot of steadfast belief in yourself to not only be able to say that but to actually believe it and then to put it into practice. And so that idea of getting what we all want has always been very fascinating to me and and most importantly how We as human beings can just more times than not, we are always, you know, going to war for our limitations. We are limiting our possibilities. We are really kind of staying in this little niche of what we think is safe or what other people would want for us that actually limits us to be able to get what we want. And I have definitely done that in my life. I, you know, have come to the other side of a lot of things now and have a lot of tools in my tool belt to not do that. But I still see it day in and day out with the students that I have and the clients that I coach and my online programs and memberships and that sort of thing. And I knew that this was always this kind of ongoing theme that people could not really step into that next level of impact and really what they wanted to kind of leave the world with in terms of a legacy, because they didn't even at the root of getting what they want, they they couldn't embody that piece to begin with.
1: Very well said. And so And I know you've been doing this and essentially working with people on this in your podcast, the Influencer Podcast. Yes. Essentially, the word influencer is in the title, but most people would say, oh, it's about being an influencer, not in the way you're thinking of. It's about influencing the opportunities at hand and or making more opportunities and eliminating limiting beliefs.
0: Yes. And, you know, you say it best. I think that there's always this negative, you know, just like I was talking about this negative connotation around just getting what we want and declaring that there's also this negative connotation around someone of, of influence, having influence, being an influencer. I think a lot of people, when they think of influencers, they think of models on Instagram, you know, showing us their, you know, bikinis, or they think of people trying to sell them a bunch of crap that they don't need or want. But, you know, really, I believe that influence is, is every single one of our superpowers, even if we don't realize it yet, even if we don't believe it yet. And with my podcast and the work that I do, I help bring that out in people. I really help crack that open. And that's always kind of been a superpower of mine. Over 15 years ago, I started as a music publicist in New York City, working with some of the top music acts at the time, Lenny Kravitz, Pink, Maroon 5, Def Leppard. I was handling a lot of the tour press. And and it was really at this time that this idea of personal branding and building a personal brand was becoming a thing. Fast forward a few years later, I found myself in Los Angeles, California, where I was living at the time. And it was right when this idea of blogging and and YouTubing and, you know, we didn't call it influencer marketing at the time, but what we know to be influencer marketing now was really becoming a thing. And there were a lot of, you know, women in Los Angeles, which is really the top 1% of the top 1% of content creators that were wanting to build personal brands around the followership that they were building online and the community they were building online, but they didn't know how to do it. And you know it—it's this idea of we—we've got to take this thought of influence, and we have to really see it for the positive thing that it truly is. It's not sleazy. It's not slimy. It is a form of sales, but it's also a form of service. And so, how can we really take that inner influence that we all have, crack it open, let the world see it? So we really are leaving the legacy that we want to leave, and and really kind of rooting into whatever our purpose may be. Which, of course, you know, the book talks a lot about that and really how to activate that in your life.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. And again, I think the funny thing is, is when people react to like the person that saw the person reading the book, where it was like, oh, it's almost a, how dare you? How dare you dare to outwish slash desire me when I've acquiesced to, well, I guess this is what life is like. I better just accept it.
0: Right. It, you know, it's, it, it's such a scarcity mindset and, you know, talking about limiting beliefs for those who don't know what that is, I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but a lot of people are like, well, what is a limiting belief? What is a scarcity mindset? And it, it is a, it's a belief that is limiting you and limiting your possibilities. And I think that's so funny. It's like, okay, well, if I'm not reading, get what I want, what should I be reading? don't get what I want. I mean, you know, it's like, (laughs) you know, compared to what? And I think that that what you just said with that idea is that it's so easy for us to, you know, fall into this trap and into this cycle of, well, life just is what it is and my capacity or my ability to X, Y, and Z to accomplish my goals, to have the family that I want, to really root in and love the job that I have. You know, it doesn't Really happen for people like me maybe it happens for them or him or her but someone like me no that's not possible for me and so it's really about first identifying well what is that story that you're making up and telling yourself that lends to that belief that you don't think it's possible. Let's dive into that first and kind of see, I call them origin stories in the book. And I kind of give uh, the DC and Marvel comic book world a, a nod to this because I think every superhero, you know, it's, it's Joseph Campbell, it's the hero's journey. We all have this origin story that really kind of puts us on our path of, of longing for more of getting curious of maybe there is something more out there that we can, you know, go on to achieve and this idea of overcoming something. And for some of us, it's it's a lot easier to root into that. And for some of us, it's a lot easier, again, to just hold on to those limitations, which is why it can be so jarring and so glaring when we see somebody out there getting what they want. It's that idea of, you know, secretly what I want or maybe what I wish for. I don't believe that it's possible. But then when I see someone else do it, it just magnifies the possibility in front of me, which then just bothers me even more. And then that's why I repel it.
1: Well, one, I don't think anybody needs to read a book called How to Not Get What You Want, because we already know what's in that book. We live it. We are pre-built with that inside of us automatically from birth. We just do that. We have to unlearn or, or, or learn properly the way to go forward. Two, DC and Marvel, you're speaking my language now. And Joseph Campbell and the origin story. I I wonder if you, because I think some people might be thinking, oh, well, she's got all these things going for her. I wonder if you wouldn't mind cueing us in a little bit to your origin story.
0: Oh, yeah. We all have an origin story. And really what that is, it's it's the story of your origin. It is the circumstances, situations, experiences, thoughts, beliefs that in one way or another has shaped the way that you now show up as an adult in this world. And it shapes the way that you see the world, your lens of the world, how you communicate with the people and world around you. We all have one. And my origin story from the very beginning was one of, you know, lack and scarcity. I grew up in a really small town, blue collar working family. My dad literally wore blue collar to work every day. He worked at an auto manufacturing plant. Both of my parents did not go to college. My grandparents lived in extreme poverty. They were from the Appalachian area of Kentucky and Tennessee. Didn't have any education at all. My grandfather was completely illiterate. And it was that idea of survival. You know, we wake up, we go out, we work hard with our hands, blood, sweat and tears, and hopefully we have enough money to put food on the table. And so growing up around that, in a lot of ways, it gave me, I I think the gift of that gave me this resilience and this resourcefulness to figure it out because I had to survive. But then there was this kind of double-edged sword of, surviving is all that's really possible for me. It's not possible for me to thrive. You know, there's never enough money. Therefore, how can you even learn about money and, and figure out money and start budgeting money if there's no money to even go around to begin with? It's all about putting other people's needs before your own, really having to struggle to succeed. That was another part of my origin story. I believed that success had to be really, really hard. So that leads to a lot of self-sabotage and it leads to a lot of, you know, what Gay hindrance would call from his book, The Big Leap, upper limit problems, that just when things start going great or just when you start to kind of even blow your own dang mind with maybe goals and things that you never thought were possible, you're subconsciously immediately starting to self-sabotage with just thought patterns, beliefs, limitations that you, a lot of times we don't even know that we're doing it because again, they come from our origin story. And for me, this really led to a really bad behavior and pattern with money. I was good at making money, Eric, but I was, I would spend it faster than I can make it. And so I started to rack up a lot of credit cards debt and my ability to not really understand money. And and I think more so my shame of not believing, like I always would have this idea of these big dreams and this big life and what's possible, but I didn't really know how to actually get there. I didn't have the tools, I didn't have the steps and I had a lot of shame for not having the tools and steps. You know, I would make up and tell myself, well, I wasn't born into this world. I was never taught this, therefore it's just not possible for me to learn it. And so I would make a lot of money, but I would spend it fast. Than I could make it. I started to hide credit card debt from my husband, and then about two and a half years later, I get a call from my husband who found out that I was hiding the credit card debt, and he goes, "When were you going to tell me about the credit card?" And in that moment, I had to finally admit that I had amassed over thirty thousand dollars of credit card debt. My credit was in the can. My husband's credit was also tied to that. So it was affecting his credit. And I had to really start to get honest with myself about this idea of why am I so afraid to be honest about money? Why am I so afraid to be just even honest of my challenges, of my limitations? Because we can't get to the other side of those things unless we can start to really face some hard truths. And so it was that, you know, rock bottom moment, if you will, that really allowed me to start to kind of go back to where it all began. And start to really unlock a lot that came from that origin story that wasn't serving me.
1: I'm following along with your story, and I've got some similarities there myself when it comes to money. No shame in that. A lot of people actually probably really identify with what you just shared. So, thank you, one, for your transparency. I think that it's almost reverse superhero origin story in a way because. Although some of them, it's exactly dead on. Like you, you're you following the character, they have their foibles, they have their weakness, then they suddenly get some sort of power and they have to learn to handle it. It sounds like that's similar to this in a sense that not everybody's gonna hit a rock bottom scenario, but that- Which doesn't... is
0: unfortunate. Exactly,
1: <laughs> because hitting rock bottom calls you to a moment of clarity and you have to either put up and fight or just acquiesce. And you decided to fight and move forward. I'm curious, is this the moment that you felt like you were being nudged towards being able to do bigger things in your life? Or does that come later? Does the rock bottom moment allow you to have clarity to just escape that rock bottom moment? Or do you pivot forward then to a better life from that point forward?
0: What I did and, and what I would hope anyone would do if they're given the gift of a rock bottom moment is to ask themselves, okay, now what am I going to do with this? I'm here. How do I not waste this? And for me, Eric, it was, you know, I always had, because small town girl, right? I would always have these fantasies of like moving to a big city and experiencing more of life and experiencing more cultures and having a lot of money because I didn't have a lot of money growing up. But the tangibles to that, it was it was very ethereal to me. The tangibles to that didn't exist. And so there was actually a lot of delusion and denial that happened along my path. And what the rock bottom did it is it allowed me to come to terms with that denial and that delusion. Illusion And what I learned from that, and I think that anyone can apply this to any origin story, to any rock bottom moment, and maybe yours isn't as insane as mine. Maybe you're not hiding $30,000 of debt from your partner, but maybe it's this origin story that you have around limitations around success, around your family dynamic, around, you know, your relationship with your partner, around parenting, around food, around drinking, around, you know, so many different things, around, you know, sex, love, whatever it may be for you. And what really helped me is that when I hit the rock bottom, I knew that I needed to to start and get help because whatever I was doing wasn't working. So I started to read a lot of books. I went to therapy, really started to kind of sink into what I needed to kind of recover. And I found what are called the three A's. I didn't invent these, but I I learned about them. I became obsessed with using them in my life and I adopted them and adapted them. And there's a lot of details in the book, but I would love to share the three A's with the listeners now, because I think that these three steps, these three tools, if you will, can kind of help you figure out how do I pivot and how do I not waste this rock bottom moment? And so the three A's stand for awareness, acceptance, and action. And awareness is always the first step in any type of process that you're wanting to get to the other side of. It is basically the identification that some problem or dysfunction exists in your life that needs to change simple as that. So you start to become aware. And that's what I did. I started to become aware of my part to play, you know, my delusion, my denial, me sticking my head in the sand and not wanting to to face what I was doing, me enabling my own perpetual bad behavior. And I say bad, meaning unhealthy, not conducive to really the kind of life that I wanted to, to lead. So that is awareness. So it is just that identification that there is a dysfunction, a challenge, a problem that needs to change in your life because it's not getting you closer to where it is that you want to go. The second A, acceptance, is typically the most challenging and uncomfortable place because that's where we all have to come to grips with what was my part to play in this So this problem may not be all of me. It doesn't define me just as no other single characteristic of our life defines us, but it is a big part of me and it is a piece of the puzzle of my life that no longer fits. And because of that, it needs to be removed and it has to be removed by me. It is nobody else's responsibility to remove this problem, this challenge. It is not out there. It is not his fault, her fault, their fault. It begins with me. It ends with me. I have to accept that. And if you can... Then you can go to the third one, which is action. And that is just the plan that you can start to implement. And what the action steps do, whether it is, okay, and and for me, it was I need to start getting help. I need to start learning new things. I need to start challenging myself. I need to stop telling myself that I'm not good with numbers and I was never good at math and start figuring out what it is that I need to figure out to have a healthier relationship with money so I can really grow the business that I want to grow. And that's what the action did. And the beautiful thing about action is that when you start start to do it it will recover and restore a lot of the things that have been lost because of the dysfunction that we may not even realize are lost and for some of us it's been lost ever since we were little because it was part of the origin story so this is where we get to start to restore confidence clarity self-esteem serenity balance, hope, joy, all of the things that we really want in life. And so when you're going through a rock bottom moment, and you're asking yourself, like, am I going to use this to, you know, kind of like the phoenix rising to rise out of the ashes, you can ask yourself, do I want to live in an environment that's filled with chaos and anxiety, and overwhelm and frustration? Or do I want to live in an environment that's filled with serenity and peace and hope and joy and excitement and curiosity, you get to decide. And again, that really kind of goes back to that acceptance piece. And then you can step into the action.
1: Well, it's like writing a brand new origin story. You're overwriting the old one and you don't want to invalidate, you know, the original one is part of your story. This is a new chapter. I mean, there's lots of metaphors we could go into here, obviously. But point being that like, To go back to the superhero origin story aspect of this, this is a place in time or a point in the story where you get to, to a certain extent, choose which superpowers you have. Mm -hmm. That's right. You have some already, and you may believe you don't, but you do. But also, you can also choose which ones you want. To a certain extent. We're not going to go crazy. And again, I don't want to be harshing the conversation and adding a limiting belief to this conversation, but there are certain things where we're designed a certain way or we have certain gifts and, you know, leaning in on those strengths is going to get us much further than trying to cover our weaknesses. But yeah, it's like writing a whole new story or a new chapter of a story. And we have a lot more power in that than we think we do.
0: Absolutely, and I, I love what you just said about that because it also lends to this idea that a lot of times our greatest strengths can also beat our, our greatest weaknesses. And so that's really the beauty of acceptance is that it, it allows us to 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 see that in a new light, it gives us that new perspective. So for example, you know, I was talking about, you know, one of my gifts is that I'm really relentless. I can be very relentless about going after my goals, figuring something out. If I want something, I'm gonna go after it. But a big challenge of mine is that I'm extremely relentless. And so you have to really start to become aware of how am I using this idea or this belief or this story? Am I actually using it to get more of what I want or am I actually using it whether I realize it or not to get more of what I don't want. And I think that that's where the 3A's can really help someone hone in on that and get really clear about using your gifts as a strength and not as a as a challenge or a defect.
1: So, if somebody regardless of having found themselves in a rock bottom moment or not, they can still choose to have awareness or step into awareness and then acceptance and then action. Let's take somebody who hasn't had a rock bottom moment, you know, though we kind of wish that on you in a a way. Right. Right. How do they start with awareness? Like, and again, it's going to be maybe a little bit harder for somebody to become aware if they haven't had that moment. But say we haven't. How do we start?
0: Yeah. And I think a great example that I'll use, because if it's not this, because when we think of a rock bottom moment, that's this very kind of extreme, you know, like ah, life shattering moment. But maybe you can just start with something that just kind of like if you're really being honest with yourself and if you give yourself a moment to feel into it, it kind of just kind of like it bothers you a little bit. It triggers you. There's something about it that feels, you know, that contrast. It, you, you don't it's not really sitting well with you. So a great example would be, let's say that you're going to go have lunch with your mom and you're excited about it because you want to spend time with her. And she is always late for your entire life. She's been late for lunch, whenever late for anything, whenever you want to meet. And over the decades, over the years, it, it's really kind of bothered you and annoyed you. But you've always kind of chalked it off as like, well, that's just who my mom is. And I guess she just doesn't really take other people's time into consideration. You know, we just start having these fantasies, these stories that we make up about the situation. Well, when you use the three A's, you could simply say, I'm aware that my mom is late. It doesn't mean that's who she is. That is just part of how she shows up in the world. She is typically late. So now I'm going to accept her exactly as she is. That she is late. I'm gonna accept that there's nothing I can do about it. I'm gonna accept that I can't change it. And I'm also going to accept that I no longer have to believe that story that her being late has something to do with me because that causes me distress. That causes me not feeling good. So if I can accept that, the next step is that I can take some action. So what would the action be? Well, action gives us choices. So maybe it's that I cancel my plans with her. Well, do I want to do that? Maybe, but you know, if that was me, I wouldn't want to do that because my goal is to really spend time with my mom. So I'm Another choice could be maybe I take a book with me and I read while I wait on her. Another choice could be maybe I decide to show up 10, 15 minutes late since she's going to most likely be 10 and 15 minutes late. The three steps, and I was just using a really random kind of, maybe that makes sense for listeners, maybe it doesn't, but just a random example that can happen in day-to-day life where you can bring in the three A's of, I'm aware that this problem exists. I accept that I cannot control any other person, place, thing, or idea. I can only control my response or reaction to it. And now what am I going to do about it? And remembering that we always have a choice, even when we think that we don't.
1: I'm just going to keep going with this superhero motif. And I kept thinking, what's entertaining for us when we watch these superhero movies is you have the original character, they maybe have a rock bottom moment, they get superpowers, they learn how to deal with that, but then there's this new reality moving forward for them. And they may be moving forward more healthy. They may have these superpowers they're using. But they've also now been on this new path towards a, a new slash better life. So they've created some boundaries. They've put in place things that will keep them from going back to that old life. However, setting and sticking to those boundaries can be a challenge, So what is your perspective on that? How do we, one, how do we set the right boundaries? But two, how do we keep them?
0: Yeah, you know, boundaries are a huge part in getting what we want. We cannot get what we want unless we have boundaries and we know how to stick to them. And I think that when it comes to creating your own boundaries, it's always gonna be different for each person. What my boundary may be, may be completely different than what your boundary is. So it really does have to, Start with you. I think that with boundaries, you have to remember what is it that I'm really, you know, wanting to gain here or connect with here. You know, it's where do I stop and other people began, and what is that fine line between that? Because I think the biggest piece to boundaries is detachment. I think that that is one of the best ways for anyone to create boundaries in your life. Really honoring yourself and those that you love and those that you care about. And detachment doesn't mean that we are separating ourselves from people in a really harsh way or we're not loving someone. You know, you wouldn't take it personal if someone came down with a bad cold and kind of canceled plans with you. So you would just kind of be understanding with it. That's what I mean by detachment. And we can do this emotionally or with other people in our lives. And the best way I think to do this is by keeping the focus on you really pausing, allowing yourself to create that space between again, where you leave off and other people began and asking yourself, you know, what would boundaries look like in my life? In my life, I know that I am living boundaries when I don't delay my happiness for other people. I don't put other people's happiness before my own. That is not a selfish thing to do. It's actually a very loving thing to do because the more that you show up in your life authentically and joyfully, the more that you're giving other people the permission to do the same. I have, you know, a lot of people pleasing kind of stuff that comes from my origin story. That's why boundaries are super important for me. And that's why I have to make sure that I'm not delaying my happiness. Because usually when I'm delaying my happiness, that means that I am pleasing someone in hopes that they will validate me, like me, give me attention, whatever it needs that, you know, I'm trying to fill some kind of void up. And so that's when I have to really be mindful of that. I think that when it also comes to boundaries, it allows you to advocate for yourself. Are you able to, say what you mean, mean what you say and not say it mean? Are you able to speak up for what it is that you want? I think boundaries really help us examine with honesty and courage our personal understanding of security and of the clarity of values that we find most important in our lives. And so that's really where I think that you can you can start with really defining what feels like a healthy detachment for me. It's not that I'm putting up a wall, but I'm just putting up a little bit of a barrier as to what feels okay and what not feels okay. And boundaries are also different than non-negotiables. You know, non-negotiables are if this happens then I'm going to do this. And it's not that you're pointing the finger at somebody and saying, "Eric, if you do this one more time, then I'm going to do this." It's not really putting that on anybody else because it's not Eric's responsibility to honor or hold up my boundaries or non-negotiables. It's my responsibility. So again, that idea of keeping the focus on yourself of, you know, If I'm going to go and non negotiable for me is to not stay out past 11 o'clock. And so if I'm out with friends and they want to stay out later, then I'm going to make sure that I go home by X time. It's not that you're making sure that other people do that, but you're making sure that you do that so you can wake up the next day feeling healthy, like you got enough sleep, whatever that may be for you. And so that's kind of my long winded way of really kind of explaining that. And, you know, we could have an entire episode just on boundaries, but I think that, you know, that's the important piece of really really getting clear on what does boundaries mean to you? A lot of people don't even know that. And are you living up to those by the way that you are showing up in the world, communicating with people? And are you also sharing with people what your boundaries are? Are you just expecting them to read your mind? You know, that's another big thing that can happen. And then, you know, that leads to a lot of resentment, expectations of other people and can lead to, again, a lot of us being triggered by these stories from our origin and causing a lot of unnecessary drama and chaos in our lives.
1: Yeah. I love that you, I want you to rephrase it or or bring it back around again, but you're a people pleaser. So you ended up not taking care of yourself. You were taking care of other people. You used a particular phrase.
0: I never knew where I left off and other people began.
1: That's it. And I noticed that one of the endorsements for the book is from Michael Hyatt, and he's been on the show a number of times, and he has this saying, it goes along with when you're on the plane and they do the announcement where it's like, if you're with a child, put your mask on first and then your child's. And then there's a reasoning behind that. It's not selfish. It's you need to be capable and equipped to be able to help someone else. So it's not selfish to often actually put your own needs first, as long as you have it in the right perspective
0: a million percent. And I think that a lot of times what will happen when we're living from our origin story, especially if it was a story that told us that we do need to put people's needs before us. And, you know, I also came from an origin story where there really were no boundaries. And so I didn't have a clear understanding of what they were. I never had an example growing up of what boundaries were. And so it's it was harder for me to cultivate them in my own life. But, you know, it's for me with that and other people and kind of what Mike said, which I think is brilliant. I would always abandon myself by either overcommitting committing or over functioning or worrying or stressing myself out trying to really fix things for other people. And I would do that, I think now understanding my origin story as a way to avoid the distress caused by my own inability to speak my truth. And that's what lack of boundaries will do for you. Now, the beauty of having boundaries is that you allow yourself to finally be seen and heard and loved for who you are and you advocate for that. I know I was talking about self-advocacy earlier because you can't hide yourself from people and expect to be seen. And when you really start to realize that and step into that and utilize boundaries as a way to be seen in a really beautiful and honest way then it allows you to really understand what feels aligned for you and it allows you to know your boundaries and knowing your boundaries doesn't mean that you're forcing other people to change it means that you know your own limits and you take care of yourself first by respecting them
1: exactly exactly well and so the other piece is is that you know and people read the title and they're like get what you want Go from unseen to unstoppable, which is what you were just talking about and made me think of, you know, being seen. Another part to this, another part to getting what you want is not just taking care of yourself. You start with awareness, you have acceptance and then you take action, but then. You continually are taking, I mean, you're going to still go back into greater awareness and different, you know, flare-ups of acceptance, of course, but continually taking action. And for the last few moments here, I want to talk about, you know, how do we, as we've processed what we've already talked about, moving into a place where we have more confidence, where we can present ourselves, pitch ourselves, negotiate, and actually, one, make more opportunities and make more of those opportunities.
0: Yeah and I I love this topic. This is something that you know being a publicist for as long as I was, you know, I I had the gift of learning very early on that pitching is a vital part to anyone's success in life. It is like the air we breathe. We cannot get away from it. It is a natural part. It's like the weather. It's a natural part of our day-to-day existence. Whether you realize it or not, you're pitching You know, your husband or your wife or your partner on what you want to eat for dinner. You're pitching your children on what you want them to eat for dinner. We're always pitching ourselves in our business, in our personal lives, you name it, it's there. So we might as well get good at it. And to me, I think that pitching is a service. It is a great way to show up in the world with confidence to not only share yourself and sell yourself with the world in an impactful way and i believe you know just like pitching sales is also it's a form of sales pitching and it's it's part of our lives and so we have to really start to get comfortable and embody it and The biggest challenge that I see Eric people face is that when it comes to stepping into that confidence so they can start, you know, showing up and being their own publicist and advocating for what they want and speaking out for what they want is that they keep waiting for this perfect day to kind of come. They'll say, well, once I have the confidence, then I'll get the clarity to X, Y, and Z, or once I have the confidence, then I'll be able to know how to pitch myself and do X, Y, and Z. Or once I get the promotion, then I'll be able to pitch myself or negotiate for more X, Y, and Z. But it's actually the other way around. It's not the confidence that gives you the clarity. It's the clarity that gives you the confidence. Clarity comes from confidence. And so the way that you start to get good at this is that you start doing it. You don't wait for some magical fairy to fall down from the sky to give you all the tools that you need. Now, of course, you can go seek out mentors and coaches and people that help you along the path. I do think that it's a lot easier to show up and pitch effectively if you have the right recipe and the right formula. Just As like it's you're gonna have a lot easier time of baking a really good cake if you have the recipe versus you just trying to throw a bunch of ingredients together and seeing if it sticks but it comes from the clarity of you actually taking the action and doing it that's what builds the confidence and that's what gets you closer to accomplishing your goals you have to get your hands in there make it happen start getting curious stay open-minded start asking your questions you know let's say I want to get a job promotion what's the first step well I probably need to have a conversation with my boss. Okay, so then what am I going to say during this conversation? Well, let's get curious. What do I want? You know, just job promotion. I may want money, but what else do I want? Because the biggest thing that people need to know when it comes to pitching is that someone doesn't say no to you because something is too expensive or, you know, they don't want to, you know, give you the money. They don't see the value in what it is that you're offering. So it's your job to pitch them on that value. They have got to see the value in what it is that you're offering them to them when I say, yes, I agree with this, I'm on board with this, and let's move forward with this.
1: Uh, That's a great place for us to land this plane. I think that people need to jump into the book at this point. (laughs) I think that it's all about unpacking what we've already talked about, and especially this last piece here is where people will start to do the homework and see the fruit begin to yield.
0: Yes, absolutely. And it's, you know, the biggest feedback that I can give someone is just to remain curious to keep pushing to see what is possible in your lives and definitely pick the book up. I love a step by step. You'll see that most of the chapters have, uh, you know, a study guide and some prompts at the end of them. I walk you through a lot of these recipes, if you will, to make it really easy and quick for you to start applying it. But most importantly, it starts with you giving yourself the clarity by you taking the action.
1: Awesome. Is there any particular place you'd love for people to go to that we can link up to in the show notes for people to find more out about the book and grab it?
0: Yes. So the book comes out June 7th and the audio book. If you are an audible listener, wherever you love to get those books, you can grab them. If you want it to be really easy for you, all you have to do is just go to juliesolomon.net slash get what you want. And we have links to the audio books, the hard copy books, and a lot of you know fun bonuses. I'm actually going to be doing a live workshop later this summer for anyone who orders the book. You'll just send us in your order number and we'll give you a free ticket to that live workshop where I'm going to be. Diving really deep into the tools that I teach and the methods that I teach in the book, and really walking people through how to build that confidence, niche down pitch themselves. You know, I'll be giving you templates and kind of really coaching you through the process that day. So if you don't want to miss that live event, you can go to juliesolomon.net slash get what you want for the details there. And then, of course, you can find me every Wednesday wherever you listen to podcasts over on the Influencer Podcast. And then I tend to be on Instagram, mostly on social media. And I'm at Jules, J-U-L-S, Solomon, S-O-L-O-M-O-N.
1: Awesome. Julie, it has been awesome talking with you. I hope somebody got a nudge towards something greater out of this conversation. Thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Well, that's another podcast crossed off your listening to-do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Julie Solomon and that you're feeling a little more possible to get unstuck. Whether you were unstuck, already or not. I hope that you got inspired. I hope that you grabbed some little step, some exercise, some thought that will push you forward with new momentum and that you feel like you've got permission to do that next step. And if not, maybe take some time to figure that out. If you found this podcast helpful, would you do me the favor of doing somebody else the favor? and share this episode with them. Let them know about it. Hit that share button in your podcast player app of choice, or head on over to the show notes at beyondthetodolist.com and hit the share button from there. Help somebody else benefit from listening to this episode. Thank you so much for doing me that favor and sharing. Thank you again for listening, and I will see you next episode.